Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. The Maxson Brothers, Nate and Aaron, here with you on this fine June, June evening in Ohio. Aaron, how's it going? It is going good. Um, I've had a few adult beverages. I don't have to work tomorrow, so we're going to see how this goes. I'm not... I'm not early We Can't Wrestle podcast, Aaron, because I've learned to taper off a little bit before we do the shows, but I am good. Learn not to fall asleep on your microphone. Yes. Yes. Well, that being said, this week on the show, we kind of have a random show review. I I thought it would be neat to do because I picked picked, uh, four. I picked four kind of random just episodes of wrestling television and then had one of the guys pick between numbers one through four and they picked number four and number four was wwf superstars from august the 5th 1995 that's something that we don't do a lot on the show and i thought would be kind of neat you know you just watch a random episode of a, of a show kind of gives you like a little i don't know what the word i'm looking for like that, that time capsule but you know what i mean like you're just yeah, it, it oh, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt that's you. okay it's a um it, it's not a major show so it's kind of just showing you how they're building what they're doing and then mm-hmm. doing random shit on it too you know what i mean yeah like superstars like you said we're watching superstars they, they went over like the pay-per-view that's coming up or whatever, but then they just have some random shit on there that's like, this fuck off. Like, let's see what this guy does, you know? Um, and 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 it's also fun to watch superstars from this era because it is long since the top show. You know, Raw is the now Raw is the top show. Actually, superstars is probably about less than a year at this point from becoming obsolete. And it's just interesting to watch it at this point. It's the secondary show for the WWF. They don't even really give a shit about it. Yeah, and but it's also it also brings you back that I know they have like the main event and superstars or whatever on the network, but it makes them miss syndicated wrestling. You yes, know? Mm-hmm. there's a guy that there's a guy that has like a shitload. I know it's a different company, but there's a guy that has like a shitload of um, WCW Saturday nights and worldwides, and, and I'm not gonna give his name because I don't like to out people on YouTube or whatever. But he has like worldwide and the main event and the and WCW Pro and all this shit and it's like this is so fun to watch because mm-hmm. a it's how wrestling used to be and how they used to market their shit and um, b you're like oh I forgot that guy was there you know right. what I mean it, yeah. it's just it's fun shit and on top of it um, it's particularly fun. Because, you know, everybody knows from listening to the shows that Aaron and I both go back now and watch stuff from the territory days and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm pretty versed in world class and, and mid-south and, and, and mid-Atlantic and all that. But back then, I wasn't. And it's just this was what I watched when I was, you know, 95. Shit, I was a sophomore in high school. This is what I watched. I watched WWF and I watched the WCW. You know, and, and, and to go back and, you know, I didn't, I didn't, these, these shows that didn't even matter. I wasn't going to miss it. I'm not missing superstars, man. I don't yeah. care if it's all, I don't care if it's all jobber matches. I'm, I'm still going to be watching it. And if I'm not home, I'm going to tape it. And now I couldn't give two shits if I miss dynamite or not. 
Yeah. You know, I so I miss raw. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we're going to be reviewing here in just a few. August fifth, nineteen ninety five. But I know you said you had a little, uh, a little, a little bit for us here to start the show off. A couple of them. I have a, and I'm going to let you get. I'm going to let you decide. Well, I don't know. I came up with like you know, like Vince would get a guy that had been like engrossed in the territories, and this was their gimmick and everything like that, and he's going to change them, right? Okay. Well, he has um, the idea for the heartbreak kid, like character. Well, before Shawn Michaels becomes the heartbreak kid, this is like going all the way back into like the eighties, like mm-hmm. right at like right around WrestleMania two, and he decides that he is going to put this gimmick on Dory Funk Jr. <laughs> So it's Dory Funk Jr. and he's just doing Shawn Michaels. And guess what his name is? What? Hunky Dory. <laughs> I was debating is he doing Shawn Michaels gimmick or Rick Rude's gimmick? I don't know which one's funnier. Um Probably, probably Sean, because Rude's gimmick is more. Rude's gimmick is more that he's a stripper than it is that he's a hunk. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. old hunky Dory, <laughs> Bo hunky Dory. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I did one of these songs, so I'm gonna delete it. Did I do Mad Dog Vashon coming out to Footloose? I think I did that one. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I went back into my own mind. So I'm gonna delete that. But I have four songs, and um, these guys are working for my promotion. I got a, I got a, an unlimited licensing fee because I'm like the pony con of music and wrestling, so I can pay for all this shit. And I got four songs that these wrestlers are going to come out to. So you ready? I am ready. All right. All right. The first song... Is Devo whip it? Do you want to guess? You, and you can try to guess if you want who these people are. But this guy's coming out to whip it. Hmm. I don't know. Stan Hansen. <laughs> when a problem comes along, you must whip it. Because he's got his lariat and he's whipping it all the time. Well, that works, right? <laughs> I started thinking of whippets, and I was like going into the '90s WWF locker room. Xbox. <laughs> um, the song "Milkshake." Milkshake. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. That one. Yes. May Young. Nope. Pat Patterson. Oh boy. <laughs> Ah, I was I was kind of right, an old diva. <laughs> you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Buck Zoom Off? Nope. Jerry Lawler. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let- <And> then- <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, Jerry Lawler, um, the difference between the two... It was consensual and yes, <laughs> exactly. 
I was gonna say, so I, I was trying to, I was trying to like, I wasn't trying, I was trying to not justify pedophilia, but yeah. make, make it where Jerry's wasn't as disgusting. I don't know if that makes me a bad person because I just had it in my mind. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then the last song is um, Fergalicious. Come on, man. Carl Fergie? Yes. <laughs> Carl Fergie coming up to Fergalicious. <laughs> he changes nothing about his character. Other than, right other than. Then. Other than it would it would it would be funny it would be funny uh, I mean obviously you're you're transporting a song back in time but it would be funny because well, I'm, back, I'm saying I'm looking at these guys now because oh, <laughs> well, I was just gonna say back in time like during those mid Atlantic days and stuff all of their shirts were just like the T-shirt with the you know the printed letters from some T-shirt making place yeah and his would say Fergalicious in those. The old eighty, the old eighties style T-shirt. Yeah, of all the ones that you, of all the, it's funny that of all the ones you put out there, the most obscure wrestler is the one that I got. I know, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought of it when I was, I was, I've been watching Mid Atlantic. Carl Fergie was on there, and I'm like, him coming out to Fergalicious would be funny. There's that one guy that was a regular on Mid-Atlantic in like 81, 82. And he, it always makes me laugh because I don't remember what what they, what his actual ring name was. But the guy looks like he's Cuban or something. And he's got like the most white, white guy name. And I'm like, there's no way that's actually his name. But he looks like he's Cuban. Like his name's Jorge or something. But his name's like, you know. Tim Jones or something. Anyway, okay. that just I can't remember. makes me laugh. Um, I'll remember. They, it. I'll remember it twenty minutes after we're done recording the show. And there's no way that they didn't know um, Slaughter's Privates was funny. Like that's not that that's not like an accidental funny thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they do, but they can get away with it because it was it was kindly old Bob Cottle saying yeah. it. And did you notice, like every week when that show would go off the air, I don't know, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but like the way he waved, it always looked like he was like, "How Hitler!" Like, <laughs> you're like, "Have a good night, everybody!" And then just like put his hand out like that, like, "What are you doing?" Well, he is, he was here, he is, he's still alive. He is like a. Uh, um, um, old southern republican <laughs> so <Yeah>. possibly <laughs> you never know i just i can only judge him by the fact that i like him as a commentator <laughs> i do too he was like your he was like your your not drunk uncle he's like and i he's not he's not as good as lance russell but he's in the vein of lance russell yeah you know, I mean, he's he's different than Lance in different ways, and I don't think he's as good as as Lance. But he was definitely that area's Lance Russell. Yeah, he's like your not drunk uncle. Gordon was like <laughs> your drunk uncle, like smoke and shit, and not shit, but you know what I mean. Like you can see your uncle Gordon getting hammered on the porch or whatever. But oh man. 
I actually, I actually wanted to, I want, I was going to Wikipedia just because I know Bob's still alive, but I was like 101. I wanted to see how old, actually he's not that old. He was born in 1930. So he's 93, but I, I, I just was going to look to see how old he was. But then I looked here and it says, and I, I was right. Cottle an avowed Republican contributed to the campaigns of Senator Jesse Helms. So definitely, oh no, <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, That's but I can only, I can only judge the man on my my love of his commentary. So I'm not going to get into his politics. But yeah, Bob Cottle thinks the South uh, will rise again, though. On his mind. He was born in what year? 1930. Uh, Toll House Cookies. This is this is going to be random. Okay. Toll House Cookies um, became a brand in 1939. So Bob Kyle was older than Toll House Toll, Cookies. Older than Toll House. Like, he remembers... When Toll House, well, he doesn't now, but he is older than Toll House Cookies. It's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. like his mom was like, we don't have money for that name brand shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, he's older than Toll House Cookies. Uh, all right. The logo is like a barn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's get into our subject matter here. Like I said, it's the episode of WWF Superstars from August the 5th, 1995. And it has the, the WWF sign on that is the one that sticks in my head the most, obviously. The neon one. Yes, and the World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. It's Which that, I, I don't know how that one was ever is. true. I mean, the only way they could justify saying that is if they go back to Jess McMahon promoting boxing and wrestling, because technically, Capital Wrestling Corporation, the World Wrestling Federation, or whatever it was, was established in the early 60s, and by this point, that's only 30-something years, but whatever. Yeah. It's Vince, so yeah. is what it is, and um, the only thing that's more, I don't want to say, like, I, I don't want to say voice of WWF, but, like, WWF... Um, um, television voice, not commentator or anything like that, is uh, Lord Alfred Hayes telling you about the promotional consideration paid for by the following. Yes, is that that's the only thing that that guy? I don't know who that guy's voice. I don't know who that guy was, but he did uh, he did that one because it was Gene that did the. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment or whatever. Um, and yeah, he did the Gene did the the World Wrestling Federation, what the world is watching. Yeah. 
Yeah, he did that one. And then the worst the, one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say the worst. The worst one was when they changed that for some reason, and they had Gene say, "The World Wrestling Federation, what the world has come to." I never liked that one. Was stupid. <laughs> like what? Like it sounds bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this, this is what the happened. world has come to. <laughs> So whoever came up with that one needed to be fired from the marketing department. Yeah. Um, well, it was based off the WrestleMania 2 slogan because they did that with WrestleMania 2. Maybe that's okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it is. WrestleMania 2, what the world has come to. Either way, it was a bad one. That's yeah, bad. It was a bad slogan. <laughs> but we start this episode of Superstars off with the. Uh, Vince McMahon narrating a video discussing Skip and Sonny and how pompous and arrogant they are. And he, he, he strings together a bunch of P words um, like yeah, pompous pretty, pom pompous. pretty pompous and something or other in classic Vince fashion. And uh, this is a summary of the fact that Horowitz wins. Horowitz wins when Barry Horowitz defeated Skip on the action zone. Um, which was Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz, for those of you that don't know, younger listeners, maybe, I don't know if anybody that's a younger listener listens to this show, but Barry Horowitz was a guy, he was an enhancement talent. In the WWF, he was an enhancement talent. But uh, he was a great worker that came out of the territories and, and became an enhancement. One of the guys every week on WWF TV that took the fall for the bigger stars. And at this point, he finally gets a win and his win is over Skip of the Body Donna's, of course, Chris Candido. Yeah, and I was gonna say, oh, if you don't know who Barry Horowitz is, uh, think of him as like uh, the uh, NWA version of George South. And I'm like, that's gonna go even further back. So you don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But Barry was a um, exceptional wrestler, and um, wasn't ever gonna be. And I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I'm not knocking the guy. Okay. Right. But he was never going to be um, the guy that was going to be the intercontinental champion or like he wasn't, he wasn't that guy. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that was a solid fucking worker and you could put him in there with anybody you wanted to put. He was, he, he was like a Steve Lombardi or a, um, <clears throat> trying to think later on. Um, trying to think further like into like 96 a bob holly or um and and they were bigger stars than him but he was like a bob holly or an al snow mm -hmm. you know like and i'm not knocking al snow or bob holly either but you're not going to put the fucking world title on either one of those right guys, yeah those guys but you know? they're good hands and but, great wrestlers to have on the card yeah. You're never going to have a bad match with them, and you could put that a uh, Savio Vega. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like it just an exceptional worker that it just doesn't have, like, he cuts a promo on this thing. It's like, this dude doesn't have the gift of gab. You know what I mean? It's just, it, and at the time, it was a cool little fucking angle because, like, for years, like we're talking about, we watched superstars and challenge and all American wrestling for all these years. And we never saw fucking Barry Horowitz win a fucking match. Yeah. And then it happened and you're like, Holy shit. 
he pulled it off. And now and, he's got to go to SummerSlam and work on Sunday. Are they going to let him? Like, <laughs> um, Skip and Sonny head to the ring here. As Skip is heading to the ring for a match with the Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon and Doc Hendricks, who is Michael Hayes, are on commentary. And this match is, uh, if you know the stories, this match is very art-imitating life. Yeah. It's like Cockold Crest versus Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yes, it's really a, good, though. Oh, it is. They they have a good match. Um, but just some of the dynamic between Shawn and Sonny and everything during this match, that's what I, I just wrote. Man, this is a lot of art imitating life here. And I don't yeah. even know I don't even know if Chris was aware, you know, of, of anything at this point, but and, um that's a little bit of my notes. I try to steer and I try to steer away a little bit from that and you can talk about it, and that's fine. I'll talk about it too. But um, did you notice um, when they were up on the top rope, and Sean gave him that face first bump off the top rope, like Candido popped up and did his little Terry. Fight. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's in my notes. <laughs> yeah, he did it. He did a fucking Terry Funk. Um, and we're gonna get it. We're gonna get there on Reliving the Extreme, but you like it is insane how. Um, much fun Chris Candido had feuding with Terry Funk in, w in ECW because like he got to wear Funk's tights and like basically just do Terry Funk and I was like oh man he did it right there in 95 on a fucking random ass superstars he took that bump and popped up and did the Terry Funk like fucking bow leg fucking walk it was good shit um, and then my only other note is Imagine if that guy would have been like six five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he oozed charisma. Him and Tammy together were fantastic heels. Like when she when she, there are very few female performers, and and it's one of those things where you just you have to you can't think about what happened to that person. You know, you want to think about them in this time that you're observing it. There are very few female performers woman sherry possibly that were could were heat seekers like tammy tammy was so good at playing a bitch probably because yeah, she was but i'm just saying um and i i, I almost i almost put her over another person sorry i was about to say that she was like um, the female Kurt Angle, but she's not because she never she never worked. Mm -hmm. Trish is the female Kurt Angle, right? Okay, yeah. But but Sunny is Tamra Sinch should get credit for the fact that she wasn't a wrestling fan. She knew nothing about it other than her boyfriend was in it or whatever. And she got into it and just was like a fucking duck to water to mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? From the the manager and 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 um, um, performance side of it, as opposed to like the worker side of it. So, like I said, I almost misspoke and said, "Oh, she's the Kurt Angle. She's the female Kurt Angle. That's Trish." But um, she should get credit in the fact that 
she was a chick that just had nothing to do with wrestling and got into it and just fucking un- understood it right away. And if would not have been around the people that she was around that were as advanced into the wrestling business at that time, I think she would have been a bigger deal. But I think she was, when I say advanced, I think, I think you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there were guys and gals around her that were way ahead of the curve in the in the shit they were doing, and she just it, it got it got away from her. And he, and and she been she benefited, like you said, duck to water. But she also benefited from the fact that the first mentor she had in the business was Jim Cornette. You yeah, know, that that's that's a big okay. part of it. You know, she, she learned she learned how to be a heel manager from one of the best heel managers of all time. Yeah. Um, this, like Aaron said, this match is good. Uh, Barry Horowitz comes out at the end of it to kind of distract, distract, skip. Shawn Michaels gets a win with the chin music. And what they did with this finish was creative because Shawn Michaels, the intercontinental champion, and they very well could have just sent skip out and had him job to Shawn Michaels. But what they did is they gave skip some offense and they let Barry Horowitz be the ultimate reason, quote unquote, why Skip was distracted and lost to Sean because of the sweet chin music. They didn't just job him out. You know, they they back then we're telling stories, folks, and we're not we're not. I don't know. It's it's so much different. But do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they told all the stories and they let they let their story be in a match where Skip was in the ring with one of the main, the big guys, one of the big main event guys. Yeah, and it's like um, at a point where Vince probably still gave a shit. You know what I mean? But they're like, oh, we're going to have Sean go out there and kick him in the face and pin him one, two, three. And Vince still might be like, well, wait a minute. We got this guy feuding with this guy, and he's got to go to the SummerSlam pay-per-view and you just jab him out. Like, right. That's not going to work. doesn't work for me, pal. You know? The, the next thing on the show is... We get the report card with Dean Douglas, who is Shane Douglas, obviously, entering into the WWF playing this Dean Douglas character that was just possibly one of the worst decisions ever made with a talent. Yep. So boring. I have that in in brackets. It was like, oh, how is this never going to get over? <laughs> It's so lame. It, it, it's, it, it's, how do I want to say it? It's like, it's not even that, oh, this, this gimmick sucks and they made a mistake with it, but they can eventually unbury this guy. It's like, no, they buried this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They just continued, they continued to let him have this dry, because at the beginning, you know, and, and, and it almost, it almost was like they were hinting at it because, uh, and fast forward a little bit, essentially what Dean Douglas does here is he does his little remote classroom and he, he's grading Shawn Michaels. He gives the definition of the word charisma and then he gives him an F. So anyway, there's, there's one fleeting moment. There's one fleeting moment in this gimmick where you almost could have seen where they went with it at SummerSlam 95 after Razor loses the ladder match 
to Shawn Michaels to start their feud between Razor and Dean Douglas. Dean Douglas comes up to Razor in the locker room and kind of, you know, get, puts him down and, and is very condescending to him or whatever. And Razor punches him. And he lays it into him real good. And when Dean Douglas yeah. comes up from that punch, he gives almost like a psychotic look at Razor. And it's almost like that's where you yeah. could have gone with it, but they never did. Yeah, it's like I don't even mind the fact that they didn't call him Shane. You know what I mean? Right. Or like, it's like oh, he's the dean of wrestling. Like, that would have worked. But what did, like, how do I say it? Like, make him the dean of wrestling, but make it like the reason he's the, like, Dean Douglas isn't the fact that he's an educator and he's smart. Make it the fact that he's, like, the best wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it, I wouldn't have wanted him to do the same thing with it, but he could have almost been, and this is this is saying something for me because this guy's, like, my second favorite wrestler ever. He could have been almost like the, um, if they would have done it that way and had him be like, I'm the smartest wrestler. I'm the dean of wrestling. I can do everything in the ring. He could have been like the Kurt Hennig of like that era, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But instead, and and in defense of the people that were around him, he wasn't always the best fucking citizen in the locker room either. You know? Right. But yeah. Instead, we get wheat toast with no butter or anything. And uh, Dean Douglas is uh, is upon us in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, and then we get a, a segment where Vince and Doc are talking to the interim president of the World Wrestling Federation, Gorilla Monsoon. I've always thought it was funny that, have you ever seen or do you remember the episode where they announced that, that uh, Jack Tunney is no longer the president? I remember... Not the episode. This is gonna sound. This might sound silly. I remember the magazine. Okay, because the episode is, uh, and you can tell about the magazine. But the 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 episode of Superstars, they do it in a very fleeting moment. They're like, we're gonna be announcing a, a new interim president of the World Wrestling Federation because this past week, Jack Tunney and his entire administration. Have have resigned over corruption. We can't go too far into it, but Jack Tunney and his entire administration have resigned. <laughs> and it turns out and, he was on the take. And it's an inside joke because I think this is when they told like guys like Lord Alfred and everybody they had to fucking take pay cuts or quit. Mm-hmm. But the magazine I remember is um there's obviously it's a magazine so there's pictures but it's like Ted DiBiase and like Jack Tunney outside in like a parking lot and Tunney has like he's standing there and he's surprised cuz the camera's there <laughs> and there's Ted 
and he has like a trunk full of money and like the million dollar title sitting there and they're just like oh no <laughs> like we've been spotted and so he's like on the take tunny you know but they did like a whole thing in the fucking wwf magazine i, I just remember that the only thing that the only thing that was bittersweet is it would have been nice if Bobby would have still been around. So he could have been like, I told you, I told you for years. I he was on the take, Tony. <laughs> or or Bad News worst, Brown. Worst president says Noriega. <laughs> or Bad News Brown being there. Yeah. It's like, I've been saying it. <laughs> I done told you. I done told you he was getting handies from Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. Two biggest... Um, Two biggest, uh, um, how do I say it? Like yellowers of Jack Tunney. I shouldn't say, yeah, I don't know what the right, the right word is, but the, the two biggest people like that had anything against Jack Tunney were fucking, um, Bobby Heenan and Bad News Brown getting favors from Elizabeth. Oh, you pot bellied sharecroppers. <laughs> Well, the interim president, Gorilla Monsoon, says that he's going to make changes, whether people will like it or not. And this is where they change the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam was supposed to be Shawn Michaels versus Sid. And they change it to Razor versus Shawn in a ladder match. And that's what, what I was going oh, to ask you is you might be smarter than me and I didn't do a lot of research on it. Why? From what I have always understood, from what I have always understood... That this was that this pay per view was taking place at the Igloo in Pittsburgh, which was a new arena, and ticket sales were sluggish. And they figured if they put the re the ladder match rematch between Sean and Razor, it would up the ticket sales, and it worked. Right, that so was that's it. what I that's what I've always heard was it was a way to get tickets because uh, Diesel and Mabel weren't selling fucking tickets. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like, oh, Sid's hurt or he's softball Sid or whatever. Mm -mm. No, because they actually do um, that same week is when they do. They actually tape the Sean Sid match for Raw, for and that that's on the week that Nitro debuts or the week the week the no Nitro debuts unopposed, but the second week of Nitro because that's when Bischoff's like Shawn Michaels beat Sid in some YMCA two All weeks right. ago. But yeah, so no, it was, it was from everything I've understood, of course, obviously I'm not an insider, but from everything I've ever read, it was, it was to, to get ticket sales moving. All right. Which was, I mean, obviously say Sean and Razor are going to have a rematch for one of the best fucking matches you've ever seen. <laughs> it's going to sell some tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, they didn't get to use a ladder very much. Cause I remember that from, I think, I think it was Sean's book. Where they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have a rematch with your lat. We're gonna have a rematch, you and you and Scott in, in the ladder match." Like, "Oh, we can do that." Like, "Oh, but uh, we've kind of come under fire with some of our violence and stuff, so uh, we don't really want you guys to use the ladder as a weapon very much." Well, shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what the fuck are we supposed to do? It's not as good. But it it's not a it's not a terrible fucking match. No, it's kind of it's kind of one of those matches where it's like it's it's great in its own way, you know. I actually I actually enjoy SummerSlam '95. I think it's a good fucking show. It's it's not the greatest fucking 
show the WWF ever did, but it's not a terrible fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, and actually, as a matter some of fact, the, some of the guys have shitty gimmicks and stuff, but it's it's it it the guys are really good. You know what I mean? It's like fucking what is it, Hakushi and and X Pac, right? Uh, y- yes, yes. How can you go wrong there? Fucking Barry and Chris Candido, Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall, um, Comma and Taker. They do a good job for a big guy match. Like uh, it's a great fucking show. And if you want to go, if you want to find out what what our exact thoughts were on everything, we actually go back through the archives because we actually did an episode of the show where we reviewed SummerSlam '95. So there you I'm go. Drunk. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> the next match on the Superstar Show is Jean Pierre Lafitte against a an enhancement talent named David Haskins. And uh, of course, you Jean don't Pierre. That guy? David Haskins. How the mighty have fallen. You don't remember him? No. You shouldn't, because he's just David Haskins. No, oh, okay. <laughs> well, they uh, they show us footage of uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte doing his pirate thing in the WWF. Um, Hakushi... Bret Hart, man, he had a menagerie of fucking opponents during 95. <laughs> and they were all like he was feuding with all of them at once. Like he's, he's feuding with he's feuding with Jerry Lawler, Hakushi, the pirate, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, and the dentist, Dr. Isaac Yankum, all at the same and, time. And his shitty little brother and his fucking brother-in-law. <laughs> and the, but the funny <laughs> thing is, you you li- you line up all the silly gimmicks and all the shit that went around it, but then once the bell rang. Him, him, and all these guys were having the best matches in the company. That's what I'm saying about like SummerSlam '95. It's like the gimmicks sucked, but the fucking work rate they had in that company at that time was really fucking good. Like, like I think I think Nash honestly gets a bad rap because. Wrestling fans like to forget or, or like to remember bad shit. You know what I mean? But like when Nash was in there with somebody good, he had good fucking matches. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, everybody will remember Nash and Mabel, but nobody wants to talk about Nash and Brett or Nash and Sean or whatever. Nash and Owen. Nash and Owen, it's the same thing with Hogan. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe not the same thing, but it's like, oh yeah, you can say everything you want to say about Hogan and Andre being a shitty match, but let's let, let's talk about Hogan and Savage. Let's talk about Hogan and Boss Man. Let's, let, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and that's because they, wrestling fan, wrestling fans are the worst fans in the world. That's why they they they're the most negative. Like, I've never seen a group of people. Maybe I'm also a Star Wars fan, so maybe a Star Wars fan, but I've never seen a group, and I don't want to say everybody, but the internet at least, the the hardcore internet wrestling fans. I've never seen a group of people that like hate watch something more than wrestling fans do. Like yeah. not like, not like not like comedically, like we do sometimes for our show. I'm talking about people that literally, and I don't want to get on a tangent because that's not what we're doing here. But literally, there are people that watch like Raw and AEW every week, and they never have anything good to say about it. 
like, what the fuck are yeah. you watching it for? You see, what what is wrong with you? You really have nothing going on in your life that you have to sit here and hate watch this show. I don't I don't watch Star Wars, but um, I have been chronologically watching um, a show that I enjoy, um, The Big Bang Theory. You like that show? Yeah. And there's a joke on there that I was like, ah, Nate would appreciate that joke. And um, Leonard and Raj are watching um, The Clone Wars or mm-hmm. some shit. Like, yeah, they're watching Clone Wars. I don't fucking know. And Sheldon walks in. And so, Nate, don't get mad at me if I fuck it up. You want to watch it's, Star Wars? It's yet. quite all right. It's quite all right. But he's like, oh. I don't want to watch um, episode whatever before I watch the Clone Wars series. I'd rather have George Lucas upset me in chronological order. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Nate would love that joke. <laughs> and that is and totally the entire a- crowd just goes, oh. <laughs> but if you haven't watched Young Sheldon, that is a show to watch because that fucking show is funny as fuck. It's on my list of shit to watch. Um, and also, sorry, um, I'm going to watch tomorrow because I'm off. Guess what's back on HBO? Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> however, however, the way the way that I watch most shows, other than some of the stuff I watch with my wife, to be honest with you, I wait till the season's over. Because I like to binge watch things, so I will. I will actually watch it until the season's over. But I can't with that show. I gotta fucking watch it. <laughs> um, anyway, after, sorry. After the Jean Pierre Lafitte match, we get a SummerSlam Insider with Todd oh, Pettengill. Uh, Jean Pierre Lafitte, hell of a talent. Yes, absolutely. Parlet, badass dude. And the, I think we mentioned it on, I think maybe your show a couple of weeks ago. Of course, the SummerSlam Insider is brought to you by Stridex Pads. Yeah. Um, and uh, essentially, in this Insider, Pettengill is talking about the fact that The Undertaker is going to be wrestling Kama at the pay per view. And then we get a Undertaker promo on Kama. So Taker's getting to be in the comfort zone now. He He's yeah. getting to wrestle his friends. He's getting to work as a boy. I shouldn't say, you know what I mean. I yes. His friend. Godfather wouldn't have taken it that way either. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure Godfather told, like I told you before, I'm sure Undertaker or Godfather told Undertaker about the the N-word taker. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which, AEW should find that guy. I That's what would make me watch AEW. You know that? Do you know what would make me watch AEW? If they had the balls to put that guy on TV. Yeah, if they had N-word taker fight Dan Housen. I would watch <laughs> that. But go ahead. <laughs> the next match on the show. What's your thoughts on Todd Pettengill? Did we ever talk do we talk did we talk about him very much? Yeah, we've talked about him a few times. Okay. Um fuck him then. <laughs> well, but the next match on the show, to me, was very cool because it is Bam Bam Bigelow 
in an enhancement match against an enhancement talent named A.C. Connor. And for those of you that don't know, this is Bam Bam Bigelow versus D'Lo Brown. And what I wrote down here was Bam Bam actually gives a lot to D'Lo in this match. Or to A.C. Exactly in my notes, too. Like, he actually sells. He actually sells AC or D'Lo's headbutt. Like, like he he headbutts AC and pretends like AC's a Samoan or something. Like the headbutt hurt him. Yeah, and 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 there's a um a thing in wrestling with like a jobber that wrestlers like, and it's kind of like the hope spot or whatever, where especially in this time like cuz i've i've read about it and heard it with like with shit with like Scott Hall and stuff where a guy would be like hey what can you what what's your big move you know like mm-hmm. what what do you do and it's not necessarily you're going to hit your move on me but i'm going to allow i'm going to allow you to attempt to hit your move on me i'm going to like swat you out or do whatever Mm-hmm. So it'll still look impressive and you get your shit over because somebody can see you do it. Right. But I'm going to block, it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and it's watching it on TV, you'd be like, oh, that guy fucked him over or whatever. But in the scheme of things, this guy is allowing the promoter to see, like, oh, that, like, Oh, Jeff Hardy could do this fucking backflip. It's kind of like what the guys would do with like the Hardy Boys, right? You know what I mean. And, and Bammer gave D'Lo a lot in this fucking match. He really a did. Lot. And um, yeah, that's why I put I put down on my thing that like I wrote down Bam Bam versus AC Connor, and I knew that it was you know obviously D'Lo, but then I wrote down you know he put him over with that headbutt thing. And he actually gave him a, a, quite a bit in the match. So I put, it actually became Bam Bam versus D'Lo Brown because he actually let D'Lo work, you know? Like, I I really enjoyed it. It was a good and, little match. And also, at this point, as far as the WWF goes, by this point, Bam Bam doesn't give a shit anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah, he got the he got the uh, my other note is he got the uh, happy fat guy music. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. they actually gave him Lawrence Taylor's music. Yeah, but after that, like every happy fat guy <laughs> shows up in the WWF. Like I, I'm watching music or I'm watching shows for my show, and like fucking Butterbean comes out to it, and then. Here comes Mark Henry, and this is like every guy that's fat and happy comes out to this goddamn aristocrat's goose music. I guess I never realized that that so many guys came out to it because what I've always thought about was the fact that it was like it was almost like a slap in the face that Bam Bam ultimately got LT's music. Nope, every happy <laughs> fat guy comes out to that music. Um. And then there's a point in the match where Vince McMahon goes, AC Connor. And I and I'll I'll tell you why this is funny to me. Cause I watched some random fucking show and it made me laugh. 
because every time I every time I get like a Bobby Heenan thing, I gotta write it down. Um, Vince McMahon goes AC Connor. What does AC stand for? And Doc Hendricks goes air conditioner, ha ha ha, and thinks that's funny. Okay. Well, this isn't an initial thing. I was watching. <coughs> A fucking WCW pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like I said, I don't want to digress because I know we I know we have to go, go into the epic um allied <laughs> powers or war machines match that's coming up. But I was watching a WCW pay-per-view and Alex Wright comes out and Mike Tanay, uh Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan are are on commentary. And they're commentating for this match. And um, Mike Tanegos, Alex Wright's out here. He's a second second generation athlete. And his father was a globetrotter. Okay. And you know what Bobby says? What? Bobby goes, what? Uh, Alex Wright was a globetrotter? And, and Tanegos like, yeah. And he goes, Alex Wright's dad is Meadowlark Lemon? I knew it was going to be something like that. Once you said <laughs> Globetrotter, I was like, oh, no, I know right where Bobby's brain went. His dad was Meadowlark Lemon? It- <laughs> Tony sells nothing, but but today's like, <laughs> like, like, it sounds like he sneezes, but he's just like, <laughs> it's like, Alex Wright is, dad is a, Seven foot two black African American man. <laughs> it was funny shit. One of, Go ahead. One of my things I wrote down here is because Doc Hendricks talks about how he's going to interview King Mabel. He has to leave because he's going to go interview King Mabel. He never does. Well, and that's what I was. I wrote down. I wonder if Mabel said something that Peacock doesn't like or something. Like maybe he said something that they didn't want to be broadcast. I don't know because they never show the Doc Hendricks Mabel interview. I'm sure Mabel didn't. Doc Hendricks might have. That's the only reason I can think why they wouldn't have it. Like maybe Doc Hendricks wore blackface. <laughs> but anyway, that was just a stupid little note that I took. Because Roddy Piper never worked at WrestleMania 6 if you watch the network. This is true. And Luna never debuted on Raw. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's funny the things they decide to not have on and the things they decide to have on. Because they still have Jerry Lawler, Kong, Goldust, Queer. Yeah. It just makes no sense. But like Aaron alluded to, the next thing we get here with no ring introductions is the Allied Powers, the British Bulldog and Lex Luger against the War Machines, who were actually a tag team from the USWA. But they have no names other than the War Machines. I tried to figure out who the fuck they were. I don't think they were anybody of substance. I think they were just two guys that worked in Memphis. And then, you know, with WWF using Smoky Mountain and Memphis talent at this time, they just got to work the taping, maybe. But they didn't ever do anything other than that. Well, obviously, but I figured at least they had a fucking name. Like, like, oh, this is Steve and Larry, the war machines. 
they were just War Machine 1 and War Machine 2. Yeah. Highlights of their life, and they're still talking to their fucking co-workers about it, wherever they work. I wrestled Lex Luger. I wrestled Lex Luger and the Bulldog. They do something in this matter. They they allude to this is they're they're building to the upcoming British Bulldog heel turn here because the Bulldog gets the win with a power slam, and Doc Hendricks on commentary says Bulldog wins again. Every time this team wins, the Bulldog gets the fall or something to that effect. Yeah, they wanted they wanted Davy to turn on Luger, but Luger left before it could happen. Hence, they had Davy turn on Diesel, which actually was probably better for Davy. Yeah, there's a um, magazine interview with him, and you can you can say what you want to say about mag mag magazines magazine <laughs> interviews, but. Um, there's a WWF Raw magazine interview with Bulldog, and it's after Luger left. And they were like, Oh, you used to like run around with Owen and all these guys, and da 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 da. And they talk about ribs and stuff. And they're like, What's the biggest rib that ever got pulled by you, Davey? And he's like, Oh, wouldn't they team me with Lex Luger? <laughs> That was definitely a legit answer in that interview. That was not something that somebody something that somebody in the magazine came up with. That's a legit answer from Davy Boy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think the Nash and they didn't go too far with Nash and Davy. Like they switched really quick to him and Sean. But yeah, it was a better trajectory for him. Could you imagine a fucking year-long Lex Luger, Davy Boy Smith feud? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> but you know Vince would have loved it. We ne up next, we get a promo with Skip and Sonny whining about Barry Horowitz doing their great heel whining thing. And um, Skip challenges Barry Horowitz to a match, a 10-minute match. If he can last, can he last 10 minutes? With Skip, which they clearly in the promo don't expect Barry Horowitz to accept. And we'll get to that later. And it's a very... Oh, no, sorry. go ahead. It's like we were talking about. It's like a different era of storytelling. Of The guy doesn't have to win. Like Barry Horowitz doesn't have to win. He just has to exceed 10 minutes. Yes. You know what I mean? So so even if you want your your heel to get the victory, so the heel can be like, I pinned him, you know? It's like, yeah, but you didn't pin him in 10 minutes. All you asked me to do was last 10 minutes, and I did it with you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the like I've read a lot of times where like people shit on the like the original um um TV title stipulation where the title was on the line for 10 minutes but after that if you can't beat the champ then you don't win the title you know what I mean it, it was still a way of of allowing your 
your heel champion to keep his, like your Arn Anderson to keep the belt, but allow Ricky Morton to fucking pin him. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you pinned me, but you didn't win my belt. You know, that type of thing. It, it's right. subtle shit. And I think that that's the shit I miss from wrestling. It's just subtle little tricks that they don't do anymore. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and even when they try to do it now, they fuck it up. Yeah. Um, so the next thing we get is uh, Jerry Lawler and Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS. It's the, uh, this is the, this is the segment where they're, they're showing us, essentially they're showing us Lawler and Yankum from the view of the patient's mouth. Um, and the, the only thing really that I, that I have of, of note is it's funny at one point, cause Lawler goes, <laughs> he sounds like Ernest P. World. He's like, Ey. um, the only thing I have is, do you know who actually came up and, and, and if you're right, you're cool, but do you know who came up with Dr. Isaac, Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS? I always assumed it was Lawler. Nope. It was Bobby Heenan. Really? Back in the day, Bobby Heenan would tell, like, told Vince, it would be hilarious if you had a had a, a dentist wrestler. Like, he didn't say, oh, gingivitis and the bad teeth and all that mm-hmm. shit. Like, oh, have a, you're, you got a cop and you got this and you got that and you got that. Have a dentist. Have his name be Isaac Yankum. I Yankum. I Yankum. They <laughs> like got all this other stupid it's shit. Like, yeah, it's like the, it's, it's, the, it, like it, the it, it's like the it, law office of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Yeah, it's like his WCW equivalent of like you know, I have Jaja Gabor win the belt. Like <laughs> all this other stupid yeah, shit. Fuck, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> If you're going to go, go big. Yeah, <laughs> I yank him. And up next, we have a match. Henry Godwin, who's still a heel at this and, and, point. And sorry. Oh, no, that's sorry. okay. Like, uh, Glenn Jacobs talks about it, and he's like, Vince is like, oh, I yank him. You're going to be this. And he's like, he hated the, he hated, obviously hated that Dennis gimmick, but that was the only thing that he said he could hang his hat on with it was like this is Bobby Heenan's idea at least like this is a Bobby Heenan idea you know it's a legacy idea yeah Yeah. go ahead sorry um up next on the show it's Henry Godwin and he is facing um a guy that we're gonna see in a couple of years here in WCW Jerry Flynn that's how you take care of Ernest fucking Miller Yeah. One of the biggest foi, one of the best foi, little foibles in wrestling that I think only you and I know about still. Yeah. That's DD Page. Henry Godwin. Um, I don't think a lot gets talked about him, but I think he was. Everything I read, he was a undercover badass. Like you don't fuck with that guy. Like you don't fuck with Mark Cantonbury. And I think that if you 
it might be out of left field or not. You might tell me I'm wrong, but I don't, I think if his neck wouldn't have got fucked up, he would have had a longer, better career. Well, and I also think he's one of those guys that suffers from the fact that his peak, I guess you'd say, peak, quote unquote, came during this era that they do not pay a lot of attention to. You know, when they're doing, when they're yeah. considering Hall of Fame. Or they're considering, you know what I mean? Like they're considering like when they're talking about the history of the company, like 94, 95, other than Brett and Owen or Diesel and Sean, most of the undercard stuff gets swept under the rug when they do historical perspectives and documentaries from this, this little two year span. Just, it doesn't, you know what, does what I say, what I'm saying makes sense? Yeah. I think if you would talk to the guys, um, that were in that locker room or whatever at that time, they would probably tell you fucking like, if you would take a poll, like guys that would have been in that locker room at that time, like who's, who's the, who's one of the baddest ass dudes in the locker room. Fucking Mark Kettenberry. You know, it's like, don't fuck with that guy. Like who should be in the hall of fame? Mark Kettenberry. You know, it's like this dude, like he was, he wasn't like the jacked, he wasn't like the most jacked dude in the world, but I actually, I'm actually a fan of Henry Godwin. Same here. Um, and I, I think he's an, I think he's an underrated talent in my opinion. The obviously Henry Godwin wins this match with Jerry Flynn. The next thing is something that's going, that triggers a memory for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it and then you can react. But they show us just just you know a little bit of music and then with, with some with some glitter, you see the name Gold Dust come across the screen and ha- Howard Finkel goes from Hollywood, California, Gold Dust. Yeah. What this reminded me though is we had these teasers, and this is from Living Through It Back in the Day. We and, and 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 wrestling fans that are modern wrestling fans or didn't live through this could never understand what I'm about to say. We had this back in the day. You had these little teasers, but I want to tell you. The minute he popped up, I laughed. The, fir- my <laughs> the first the first time, Gold Dust, Dustin Rhodes in full Gold Dust regalia with a gold top hat and the makeup. And everything, like they actually showed him on TV, is one of the biggest pop moments in my wrestling fandom history. Because it's like, that is not what I expected. (laughs) Same thing. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) Like, what the fuck is that? And um, another big fucking moment, and it would never be a moment now, is when he took his hair off. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> he didn't grow his hair out. It's like, what the fuck is this character? And this might be out of left field, but like people talk about, like when Brett was like, "This is bullshit," and like shoved Vince down on the Steve Austin thing and all that or whatever. Gold Dust is the kickoff of the fucking Attitude Era. Oh, I have said, I have said, I don't know if I've said it on our shows or if I've just said it in conversations. To me, personally, the beginning 
of the Attitude Era is Roddy Piper and Goldust at WrestleMania 12. Yeah, and all the shit leading up to it. Yes, but I, like that in like when Roddy rips off his fucking suit and he's got the fucking bra and panties and stuff on underneath it. That's like, that's just <laughs> okay. We've gone off the fucking because you know <laughs> we had had characters before like Adrian Adonis or whatever where it alluded to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Adrian Street never had panties on. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like that, 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 that Piper Gold Dust shit to me is the beginning of the Attitude Era. Like Adrian Street was still tough. You know what I mean? Like he was still a badass guy. <laughs> and Adrian Adonis was still a, a tough guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Frankie says, relax and did all his shit. You know, he's still a badass. But that Gold Dust character, you don't have an Attitude Era without that. With, 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 I'll put it this way. It's like, this is a, my metaphor. Up until WrestleMania 12, the envelope was at the edge of the desk. <laughs> at WrestleMania 12, we flicked that fucking envelope off the edge of the desk. <laughs> Turned it into a paper football and said, ah, let's see what happens. <laughs> Man, that gold dust character. Like, that was, I think that's the one that just is like, if we're doing this, we might as well do everything fucking else. Right. And I think it's crazy that it got to the point where Dustin was like, I should get tits. And Vince was like, that, no, that's too much. (laughs) That was probably the point Dustin realized he should probably check out some rehab. Yeah. But. Um, it popped me when I saw the fucking little gold dust thing across the screen because it's like none of us knew what the fuck was about to happen. Yes. And when he first showed up, we're like, that's Dustin Rowe. Like, we all knew Dustin was going to the WWF, you know? But when he showed up, it was like, holy. Yeah, I, rem- I remember the, like, the scuttlebutt, like the dirt sheet shitting back, back then. When they were talking about Dustin coming in as his character, Gold Dust was that he was going to be a cowboy gimmick. Like that was the first thing that the dirt sheet guys were guessing. Like it's going to yeah. be a, a cowboy gimmick, Gold Dust. And probably- Dave Meltzer wasn't like, oh, he's going to be like a. Nobody thought, oh, he's going to be like a, a, a gay Hollywood guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and. It's just it's it's an insane gimmick, and there was uh, I don't want to like I said I don't like comparing other people to other people, but it's kind of like could you imagine um, in nineteen ninety Barry Wyndham isn't signed so we're gonna make Barry Wyndham the Undertaker. Well you could almost see it because they're they're the same size mm-hmm. kind of worker or whatever. But does Barry Wyndham as the Undertaker mm-hmm. have legs more probably than probably not five months, six months? Okay. Could anybody else have done that fucking gold dust character And wrote it as long as he has to this day. 
as Dustin Rhodes. No, and I, I mean it's the same thing and, as and 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 sorry, Nate, but every incarnation that isn't even Gold Dust, but other every character that he's had, and still like painting the side of his face and doing this, it, he's not calling himself Gold Dust, but it's still a um. An homage to Gold Dust. An homage to it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Mark, where Mark isn't necessarily always the dead man, but he's always the Undertaker, mm-hmm. whether he's calling himself the Undertaker or not. Dustin is Gold Dust, and nobody else could have done that. Fucking and it's shit. and it's and I'm not I'm not disrespecting the other guy in this equation, but it's also it's also the the equivalent of. It's a good thing they did not decide that Terry Taylor was going to be Mr. Perfect. Yeah, it would have never, it would never worked. Mm-hmm. And that's not disrespecting Terry Taylor, but Kurt Henning was Mr. Perfect. He was the perfect wrestler. Yeah, and Dustin was fucking gold dust, and he took that shit. Or what if Vince gave Million Dollar Man to somebody other than Ted DiBiase? Yeah, it would have never fucking worked. <laughs> That's one of my favorite fucking stories is Ted DiBiase looked at Terry Funk as being like his mentor, you know, because his dad died early and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And Vince was like, I have this gimmick. We're going to bring you in. I'm not going to give you too much information on it. And he called Terry and he was like, ah, Vince says he has this gimmick and it's basically him. And he doesn't want to tell me too much, but like you know, he, he says he's gonna he's gonna take it as high as he can go, and this that and the other thing. And I'm gonna be like the second highest paid guy behind Hogan, and, and I don't know what to do. And Terry Funk was like, "What the fuck do you not? What the fuck do you mean you don't know what to do? Fucking take it, <laughs> like like go." Like Vince McMahon won't tell you what the gimmick is because he he's like keeping it to himself because he doesn't want some, some other promoter to figure out what it is. Fucking go with it. Yes. I, guarantee, I guarantee that's what that gold dust gimmick was. Was, and, and there was, there wasn't a better person to put it on than fucking Dustin. Nope. And I still don't to this day understand why he wasn't the fucking champ. At least, at least for a couple of months. I don't know why that character never was world champ. Right. Up next on this superstar show, as we close, um, as we get close to the close of our show here this week, it is Kama, the supreme fighting machine, who is now managed by Ted DiBiase, obviously, against Scott Taylor. For those of you that know, or is going to eventually one day be Scotty Too Hotty, et cetera, et cetera. They don't really give us much to the match. It's not much of a match, um, as 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 evidenced by the fact that the entire match is is encompassed by also a promo, a backstage promo from Razor Ramon, discussing yeah. discussing the ladder match now at SummerSlam. And uh, the male creature of the night looks like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> And the female creature of the night looks like Winona Ryder. Yeah. So it's Joaquin Phoenix and Winona Ryder. I should say Winona Ryder when she's getting married in Beetlejuice. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's crazy though, because it's like crazy, but Kama Mustafa or the Supreme Fighting Machine Kama versus the Undertaker shouldn't be fun, but it was. And and it, for those of you that don't understand or don't know, again, I do that a lot just because I don't I don't know, you know, if people there might be people that didn't watch this or weren't watching at this time. The reason that they gave they gave Charles Wright the gimmick of Kama the Supreme Fighting Machine was because this was actually the infancy at this time, the infancy of the UFC and MMA was on the come up and you know, they wanted to capitalize on, and it was actually, I believe, Shane McMahon's idea because Shane McMahon was the guy back there that was always about the MMA. He was the one that wanted his dad to buy the UFC. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, I find it so ironic that Shane was like, Dad, you should buy the UFC. And Vince was like, eh. eh. And, now, and now the UFC, the company that owns the UFC, owns, well, in, in, in principle, Owns WWE, but yeah. um, that was what the gimmick was supposed to be, and I think it could have. You look a couple of years later with like Shamrock and Severn and that kind of a thing, and Kurt Angle, and that they had they had they had the seed of an idea here. Yeah, but I don't say it. Like I'm not gonna say that. Um, Charles Wright wasn't a wasn't a badass or a tough guy because he is, but it was like you know they talk all the time about like um oh we give this guy this gimmick and we give him this gimmick and we give him this gimmick and people really hit when they become their actual personality turned up by 10, right. you know, like, like Steve Austin, when he became Steve Austin, it was like, that's actually Steve Williams just turned up. They tried so much shit with Charles, Wright, mm -hmm. But when they were finally like, Hey, why don't you just go out there and be a pimp? <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> Like Larry, though you like smoking weed and and selling poon, he was like, "Got you, that's what I he got you." Got over. It's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like Road Dog. It's like, hey, go out there and talk your shit and be a be a big mouth and do your thing. You know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, like Charles Wright wasn't a fucking UFC fighter. You know what I mean? it's kind of like that that's where I'm saying like if they would have had Ken in 95 or Dan Saver in 95 yeah that would have worked but at this point it, it just wasn't his best character if that makes sense oh absolutely yes um He winds up beating Scott Taylor, and then, like Aaron said, like the the creatures of the night are outside the ring, and he destroys their wreath, and then they cry. And yeah, uh, sad. The show rounds out with uh, first of all Todd Pettengill back with the uh, SummerSlam Insider, 
alludes to our main event, Diesel and Mabel, which quite possibly would, could have been one of the worst decisions for a main event of a pay-per-view in WWF history. I'm, I'm, I'm not, again, this is one of those things where Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash is Kevin Nash, and that's fine. And I'm not even hating on Nelson Frazier, you know, for, for him to be at a lower point on the card He's, he's obviously a big guy with a big look, and I understand why you would put him on a wrestling card. So my hate for him, or ha- not hate for him, but my, my, my dislike of the whole Mabel thing or King Mabel thing was never that it, it wasn't him. It was the fact that he was not a guy to be put at the top of the card. And, and I try to say this about wrestling a lot. Like He serves a purpose. That and you're Nelson Frazier, okay? You're Mabel, and the company you work for goes, Hey, we're gonna have you work a main event angle with our champion, and we're gonna have you main event what we consider our second um, biggest pay per view of the year, which at the time SummerSlam was, right? Yep. Um, you in that business, are you going to go? Ah, eh, I don't think so. Right, <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready, or uh, I don't have the uh, I don't have the ability or the agility to do it. You're going to go okay. <laughs> I'll because, take the payday because <laughs> you know why you're going to do that. Because in the back of your mind, you're going to be like, I don't have the agility or the ability to do this, but they don't realize it right now. <laughs> so I'm going to take all the money I can from them right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell me that in the back of his mind, Nelson, Nelson Frazier thought, Oh, I should be in the fucking main events. There's no way, but he knew what that payday would look like. (laughs) He said, Oh, I can send my kids to good school. That's a lot of goddamn Popeye's chicken right yep. there. I'm going to sit on this guy's back and let him bitch about it in a fucking podcast and <laughs> 30 years later. Diesel cuts a promo on Mabel. And then after that, Barry Horowitz, as we alluded to earlier with the 10-minute challenge, Barry Horowitz then accepts. He goes, he goes you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I can last 10 10 minutes with Skip. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Not a good promo. No, but I don't think it was intended to be. It wasn't intended to be, but it it was... was And Barry's standing there with his glasses and his pocket protector and his suspenders and... He was, they knew what they had. They were like, you know what? We've got this guy now. He's the underdog guy. We need to make him a fucking geek because that's what the heel would call him. That's what Fred Glassy would call him as a geek, you know? Make yeah. him a geek. And it, it, um, did what a good wrestling show should do. It bookended it. We started with this. We gave you all this shit in the middle of it. And now we're going to end with what you saw at the beginning. Yes. A good wrestling show should pick up, in my opinion. And to wrap everything up, 
I didn't expect it when I. Uh, I didn't expect it when I. I didn't expect it when I selected it as one of the options on the list. I'd literally just the four TV shows I picked. I had no idea what was on them. I just went through and like pick. You know, I looked at. I looked at a list of WWF superstars, and I looked at a list of WCW Saturday nights. I looked at a list of Mid South shows. So I had no idea what to expect going into this, and I actually really enjoyed. From a nostalgia point of view, watching this random episode of WWF Superstars. Me too. And like you said, it harkens back to a foregone era of um, watching some random ass wrestling and like me and you sitting on the fucking couch like ah, we're gonna watch wwf superstars you know or watch it on like little fucking tv and it was it it's good shit and it, it brings it brought me back to like um how i say like i remember watching like superstars or all american like i remember watching all american wrestling where it would come on at like nine o'clock all american all american noon well, what was the one where we'd have to like each one of us would have to sneak out and be like, oh, I saw this and then run back. Prime time. Prime time. Yeah. Like that type of shit. You know, it brought me back to like childhood and 95 was like, ah, this is where you and I were not trying to be like, eh, with it. But it's like, this is where it's like we're starting to watch the shit more together. Yeah, it's like, and it's like, oh, Nate has to work. He's not going to see this. Now I got to wait for my brother to get home and we're going to watch what I fucking taped. Because <laughs> mom spent the good money on the VHS, you know? Yeah. Like, I, it's stupid, but I remember when Vader debuted, like with the WWF, and he came home and I was like, dude, <laughs> I got to tell you, what happened that that's the first that's the first like um i'm gonna like spoil something for somebody and you were like nope i don't want to know i'm like dude i gotta tell you and you're like i don't want to know i'm like it's vader man <laughs> vader showed up. You're like, don't ruin it shut up <laughs> and then we watched it together that like vader, like vader showed up like it, 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 it's good shit, and ninety five gets a bad rap for both companies, but especially for WWF because WCW ninety five was bad because it was Hogan not wanting to um, get away from the cartoonish shit, but he was still bringing in. The guys that were kind of broken down or whatever. I don't want to call them broken down, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're going to bring in Tenta and we're going to bring in Kamala and we're going to bring in Brutus and we're going to bring in this guy and that guy, you know? But 95 mm -hmm. WWF gets shit on a lot, but it shouldn't because the gimmicks sucked because it was like, 
oh, this guy's a goon, and this guy's a trash man, and this guy's a whatever. But the guys under the gimmicks were super fucking talented. I agree, and I'm not sure. I can't, to be inside baseball, folks, I can't tell if it's your internet or my internet, but you were kind of freezing up a little bit there the past couple of minutes, so before I don't have, before we, something <laughs> catastrophic happens, um, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here, but Aaron, any parting words for our listeners here this week? Um, just listen to all the shows on the, the WrestleNet radio, um, family and support the, just support it. And if you guys like it, Share it, rate it. If you listen on Spotify, iTunes, um, all that shit, five, five star ratings. That's what gets you up the the fucking ranks. And I think we beat who do we beat? I know we beat John Rezzi, right? Uh, yes, reliving the extreme. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's my baby. That's the one I love the most. Um, reliving the—I shouldn't say the most. I like all of them equally, but um, just listen to all the shows, support them, and if you don't like them, just shut up about it and don't listen anymore. Yes, be gone, be gone. Be gone. Negativity builds nothing except more negativity, and um. Thanks for listening. That's really what I got. All right. And I will, it's, I will echo that sentiment. Uh, check out all the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. Um, all we are saying is give peace a chance. I used to have a buddy named Chance, literally. And he used to say, all I'm saying is give Chance a peace. <laughs> <laughs> And he was fat. A fat chance? Yes. And the first time I ever said that to him, he was like, normally, oh my God, normally I don't get matched with my sarcasm. Normally with my sarcasm, I'm the winner. Like I'm the winner and I don't bow out. But when I, I made the fat chance joke to him one time, the first time I got to after we got comfortable with each other, and he looked at me and he goes, yeah, never heard that one before. <laughs> and I was like, sir, you win this sarcasm battle. But anyway. I worked with a guy that was really fat, and he was, like, um, um, self-conscious about it. And you know what I told him? I'm not going to say his name. But I was like, dude, if we were, like, in a bank, and it was going to get robbed, and they had to take a hostage, like, they're going to take me. Cause like I'm 162 pounds. I'm I'm bigger now, but at the time I was like I'm on like 162 pounds. I was like, how much do you weigh? And he goes, I weigh I weigh 375. I said there is no way in hell they're gonna be able to control 375 pounds trying to get out of this fucking place. But me, they're gonna be able to whip me around wherever they need me to go. So. You should feel great about being fat because 
they're going to look at you and be like, nope, and look at me, and I'm going to be their fucking shield, and I'm probably going to get shot in the neck. So that's the best thing about being fat. You're not going to get taken in a fucking bank heist. And that, on that note, we're going to sign off here this week on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Stay tuned as we get closer and closer to episode 200. Episode? Episode. <laughs> EpiPen, EpiPen 200. And we'll see you next time, everybody.